Hey everybody, this is Brent Kellogg, the pastor of Hillspring Church in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. And this is our podcast. Thanks for taking time to join us today. Our prayer is that this would inspire you, build your faith, and help you take the next step in Christ. Enjoy the message. It's a hard topic today. You remember, you asked for it. We're in the middle of a series, actually wrapping up a series today called You Asked For It. And so a couple of those weeks, I have taken some of the great questions that were asked. Some of the weeks, I've taken some of the more popular topics. And we're going to go back to the popular list today of um, You Asked For It. But I'm just going to warn you right up front. At moments, it's heavy. Not inappropriate in any way, shape, form, or fashion. You need to worry about your kids. It's just, it's just heavy because a lot of this is going to ask us to do stuff we don't want to do. And um, typically, it's a good thing because in the first service, there's typically um, a lot of OSU people, which means it like brings a glory and anointing to the service. But today, it was just heavy. There was a lot of grief, you know what I'm saying? So it's a very fitting message today for what we're talking about. My heart hurts a little bit. And so thank you for those of you that have been praying for me and then those of you that have been mocking me and making fun of me. <clears throat> Hell's really hot, that's all I'm saying. No, I'm just kidding. So uh, we're, we're jumping into the topic called letting go. And that was one of the most popular things that, that you asked for. And I am. I'm going to pause for just a second. And I'm going to pray. And I want you, in this moment while we're praying, I just want you to get your heart ready for what God's going to ask us and what God's Word is going to ask us to do. Because I'm just going to tell you, like, I'm preaching along and preaching along, and everybody's like, the room's just quiet. And I understand we're all grieving, and the football game should have gone better yesterday. But in the same token, there's some spiritual principle here as well. And so, God, we just pause right here before we jump into your Word today. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would, would speak to us. Lord, to grow, to get better, to become more like Jesus is, is hard work. Lord, it requires sacrifice. It requires even emotionally challenging things that invoke fear or pain. God, we, we just rather put a wall up and not deal with those things. And today, God, I, I pray that you would give us ears to hear. And it's one thing, God, to hear the word of God. It's another thing to receive the word of God. And today, we want to do that. I know that there's going to be a bountiful harvest in Jesus' name. Amen. You, uh, Audra Hopper coined the phrase perfectly. I was talking to her between services. Um, I call this the blanket principle. Um, my mom always said I had a face made for radio. I wonder if this is what she was talking about. <clears throat> Cringeworthy. And if you're one of those people that, like, if my collar's all messed up, or I've got a hair out of place and it drives you crazy. This ain't your day. I'm just telling you, I'm going to put this blanket on my head a lot, and my hair is going to be messed up, and you're just going to have to love Jesus through it. But we all have those cringeworthy moments. Like, so I was in fifth grade. We lived at Ardmore for two years, and I uh, went to Plainview Elementary. And, and one day they came over to a loudspeaker, and they said, students, the cheerleaders are going to be selling popsicle or selling suckers at, at lunchtime, bring your money. So anyway, we were standing out there, and, and there was no cheerleaders. There was one seventh-grade boy, <laughs> and he got made fun of. And uh, yeah, I know, right? And I was one that was like, oh, look at the cheerleaders. <laughs> and, and he goes, I'm going to tell the principal. I didn't sleep that night. I thought the principal was going like, to kick me out of school for calling this boy principal. And it was one of those moments that down through the years, I'm like, oh, that was really dumb on my part. Why did I do that? And I just kind of cringeworthy, where you just, you have those, I know that was pretty silly in a sense, but we have those things, sometimes they revolve around 
ex-boyfriends or ex-girlfriends or groups of friends we shouldn't be hanging out with and we just I, like we just on the inside we just kind of it's kind of cringeworthy and we just kind of want to pull the blanket up over our eyes I don't know if you have cringeworthy things in your life I don't think I'm the only one but we have these things from our past I wish we could let go and even today decades years whatever later we just want to pretend that out there. We, remember the old cartoon where the ostrich would just stick his head in the sand? That's what the blanket's for. We just, they're kind of cringeworthy things, and they just kind of make us want to collapse and hide. I call it the blanket principle. When I think about that season, or I think about that person, or think about that mistake that I made. So when we talk about this idea of letting go, um, two kind of quick things come. The first one is that there's some things I... I I just need to forgive. I, I know it was bad. I just need to kind of let some things go. I want it out of the banks of my memory. I can't undo it, but I wish I didn't ever think of it again. You know what I'm saying? And that's where the blanket principle comes in from is I just need to let some of those things go. The other is there are some things I just need to move on. It's not that it's embarrassing. It's not that I need to hide under the blanket. It's not a forgiveness thing. It's that I've done all I can do. I can no longer reconcile these issues. And so I just need to release the grip of my hand. I need to take a new step in a new direction. I need to release it and I just let it go. I hope you see the difference in those. Some of those are things that we, we want to, oh, I just want to forget that that ever happened. It's cringeworthy. The other thing is not that it's cringeworthy. It's just I'm done here. I just need to let it go. So if I could this morning, some of you are distracted by that, I can see it in your eyes. So if I could this morning be a seminary professor, maybe a little bit of a history teacher, I want to walk you through some events in a New Testament character in the Bible. And if you'll be patient with me, I think the context and the historical story that I'm going to set, I think it will become very personal for you and I because I think there's moments in this person's story where they want to put the blanket over their head. I think they looked at their past, the person they used to be, the life that they used to have, and I think they were embarrassed by that. I think they wish they could go back and do that over. I wish I could just let some of that go. We're going to end in Philippians 3. I'm going to take you on a trail through a couple of different places. You don't need to turn there. I'll put them up on the screen for you. The first one I want to show you is 2 Corinthians 12, 7. He says, therefore, in order for me to be keep from becoming conceited, my football team would lose the Big 12 championship. That's not in scripture, that's just like me. You know what I'm saying? He said, I was given a thorn. This is the Apostle Paul. He said, so I didn't get too big for my britches. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan really, to kind of torment me. So Paul described something in his life that continually haunted him, that tormented him, always trying to trip him up. And he, he refers to it, he gives it this name. He said, like, it's just a thorn in the flesh. He never describes it. He never tells us what the thorn actually is. The thorn could have been a sin that he constantly battled and a temptation. He would, he would fight and fight and struggle and struggle, but man, Friday night, lonely by himself, you, you keep stumbling into. It could have been that. It could have been an illness. It could have been a physical disability. Could have been a person. You know, I'm quite sure in my life I've been a thorn for many. Don't amen right there. Just eyes forward. Just, you know. We don't know what it is. We don't know what Paul's thorn was. He never identified it. And this is the beauty of Paul in writing this and, and never clearly telling us what the thorn is, is because now he gives us an antidote for all the thorns in our life, regardless of what they are. So like if Paul said, hey, I have this thorn in my life and, and it's a person that always drives me crazy and they're there to keep me humble, right? 
then if we knew that that's what that was, then we would only take this antidote and say, okay, well, when you're dealing with thorny people, this is what you do. But because he left it generic, because he never identified it, I can use it to cover whatever thorn in my life that there may be. All right, so Paul talks about this thorn in his life that the enemy would use to kind of trip him up, to kind of distract him, to keep him off focus of what God had for him. Now, I'm going to go to Philippians 3, and we're going to live in Philippians 3 today, okay? going to add a little bit to this idea of Paul's thorn. Not that I've already attained all this or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken a hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, forgetting my old life, forgetting the person I used to be, forgetting all those mistakes, I strain towards what is ahead. Let's stay focused on what God has in front of me. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And this is where I want to spend our time today is in Philippians 3. I'm not perfect. What Paul's saying, I haven't arrived. I'm still growing. But there's one thing I do. I keep pressing. I keep pushing. I keep straining for all that God has set before me. So I want to pretend for, for just a moment. What if for just a moment? Paul had his own version of cringeworthy. Like what if Paul had his own blanket where he would remember the person he used to be, remembered those seasons, and he would just kind of, oh man, I wish I would have never done that. I wish I would have never made fun of that kid. I wish I would have never dated that person. And he just had these cringeworthy moments where he hid under his blanket. Now, from all of my analytical or even, I don't want to say critical, but for those of you, let me just emphatically say it again. We do not know what the thorn was. We don't know for certainty what Paul's thorn was. We don't know what the thorn in the flesh was. He didn't say it. We don't know it. But there is an idea among some, and you could call them theological guessers, theologians, if you would. It is possible that Paul wrestling with his past was his thorn. It's possible. We, we don't know. We don't know what it is. And here's just how the stinky old sneaky snake, the enemy, the devil, our, you know, the nemesis, this is exactly how he works. When someone thinks about wrestling with their past, we think about all the bad we did. We think about the mistakes we made. We think, oh my goodness, I wish I'd never dated that person, or oh my goodness, I wish I would have never hung out with that group of friends that were not good for me, or man, I just went through that season where I was a little naughtier than what I should have been, right? When we think about the past that haunts us, we always think about the bad things and the mistakes that we did right? But Paul didn't do any of that. Paul was not naughty. Paul was a very religious person. Paul was probably too religious. I mean, the Jewish people were so proud of their religious heritage. They felt the only way you kept God happy was if you obeyed all of religious laws, and Paul did that to a T. So here's what the enemy does. It doesn't matter if my past is bad because of all the mistakes and the bad things that I did. Or I was super duper duper spiritual and I was holier than thou. The enemy will use your past no matter what it is to make you want to climb under your blanket and wish that would have never happened. That's how he works. Whether you were too good or too bad, the enemy is going to use the things of your past to haunt you. You're not the only one that struggles with, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Okay, let me just stop right here. This is going way better than first service. You know what I'm saying? Clearly a lot more OU people in the room. I'm just kidding. All right. So... <laughs> Let me just walk you through some passages that talk about Paul's 
past, mainly Acts. In the Acts, the book of Acts is a history book. It's about the history of the early growth of the church and the characters that God would use to, to share that. And you're going to see Paul's story weaved in and out this. My hair good? I didn't know if there was like a thing, like an opie back there going, boom. Right. So Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it says, Saul was one of the witnesses. And he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. Stephen was one of the early followers of Christ. He'd been put on trial. He was preaching Jesus. They yanked him out in the street and they stoned him. And it says right here that Saul was one of the witnesses. Some theologians believe that it was his nod of approval. He was the guy that kind of oversaw it. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers, except for the apostles, were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Verse 3. But Saul, whose name would eventually become Paul, he was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women and throwing them into prison. Acts 22, verse 3, very similar story. Paul's now talking and telling his story. Then Paul said, listen, I'm a Jew. I'm very proud of my Jewish heritage. I'm very proud of the religious bringing. I worked very hard at pleasing God by keeping the law. I am a Jew born in Tarsus, city of Sicily. I was brought up, educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. As his student, I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs. I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did, just like all of you today. He's speaking to people in his old life. He's speaking to people that were from that very religious, we keep the laws to please God. And then he said, and I persecuted the followers of the way. Those are Christians. I persecuted them. Hounded some of them to death. I arrested both men and women, and I threw them in prison. Throughout Paul's writings, he keeps going back to the person he used to be in his past. The Philippians chapter 3, that's the passage we're in. This one thing I do, I forget. Even in that passage, Philippians 3, 6, let me just back up a couple of verses. He says, listen, I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And for righteousness, like obeying the law, I obeyed the law without fault. I strive to be spiritually perfect. I once thought those things were so valuable. When I look back on that, it's cringeworthy. Like there were people that died at Paul's hands because they were Christians, and now he's a Christian telling people about Jesus. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the thorn is. But Paul constantly brings up his former life. And it's not in the context of something that he's proud of. Well, let me tell you, by golly, when I played football back there, we won two district championships and we made it to the quarterfinals of the playoff. It is not that kind of proud. It's give me a blanket, let me hide under it. It's cringeworthy because of the person I used to be. Oh, this is very bad. Paul would say there are people who died at his hands. There were people who... Uh, were put in jail. There were families that he destroyed. His actions contributed to their sentence. So, if in Philippians chapter 3, when, when Paul talks about his past, then just a couple of verses later, he says, now, listen, I'm not perfect. I've not obtained all of this. I've already arrived at my goal. I press on to take hold of what Christ has for me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to be perfect, but this one thing I do, I forget what is behind, I forget the blanket, I forget the things I did in the past, I strain towards what's ahead, I press on to the goal of the prize for which God has called heavenward in Christ Jesus. What if Paul's trying to forget his past? 
What if that's the thorn? What if Paul is, is, is trying to just let go of the person he used to be, but yet the enemy haunts him and haunts him? Oh, yeah, well, think about how many people died because of you, Paul. So there's four things in this passage that we're going to unpack in Philippians chapter 4 that help us let go. Paul gives us a beautiful equation here, and I, I, wanna, I just want to kind of unpack that for you. And just like Sesame Street, this message is brought to you by the number 4 and the letter F. All right, so here we go. How do I let go? How do I let go? There's things in my past that haunt me. There's things that make me want to crawl under a branch. There's cringeworthy things in my life, and it's time. It was decades ago. But still, when I think about that season, when I think about those mistakes, I'm like, ah, how do I let go? The first one found in verse 12, not that I've already obtained it all, or not that I've already arrived at my goal. I've got to fail forward. I've got to fail forward. I'm not perfect. Matter of fact, the closer that Paul got to Jesus, the older he got, the more mature he got, the more he grew spiritually, the more imperfect he saw himself, the more imperfect he felt. The more spiritual we become, the more humility we have. But Paul is who he is because of what he had been through. Like when you study Paul's theology and what he thinks about God, he is so driven on the grace and the mercy of Jesus. Why? Because there was a day that Paul showed no mercy. There was a day that Paul didn't think God was even merciful. That if I was going to have a relationship with him, I had to live perfectly. And now that Jesus got a hold of his life and Jesus changed him and Paul saw Jesus and the gospel in a whole new different life, Paul is who he is because of who he used to be. He failed forward. You got to be careful with failure because now all of a sudden I can, I can give permission to fail. And listen, the goal is not to fail. The goal is to not even tolerate failure. The goal is not to be comfortable in sin. We're all going to make mistakes. I want to get to the place that as I spiritually grow as a Christian, that Christ becomes greater and my sin becomes less because I've died to myself. If that makes sense, say amen. But mistakes are going to happen. And I don't want to ever be, oh, well, I'm just an old sinner saved by a great. No, 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 no. Yeah, I'm grateful for the mercy of God, but I don't ever want to be comfortable in my sin. But I do want to learn from that. I want to fail forward. I learn far more through the pain of failure than I ever have through the lessons of success. Like when we fail, we back up. What happened? What went wrong? Why in this? What happened? What, what was the, you know, we kind of analyze things or we learn from those failures. When we succeed, we're just high-fiving, giving a bunch of thank yous. Oh, the Lord's just blessing us. That's great. It's when we fail that we learn our biggest lessons. What Paul is saying, I'm not perfect. Don't think I've already arrived. I still mess up, but when I do, I want to fail forward. I want to get better because of my faults and mistakes that I've been through. If I ever stop growing, then I stop healing. Fail forward, verse 12. Not that I've already obtained all this. Not that I've arrived at my goal. He says this, but I press on. I take hold of what Christ Jesus took a hold of me. No, no, brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it. But I, here's the next F, I focus on this one thing. The second F is focus. Focus. Paul uses verbiage like strain and, and press on. Letting go, ultimately find healing in your life, will not just accidentally happen. 
It won't just happen over time. I won't just accidentally stumble into healing where you wake up one day and go, oh, well, I don't need that anymore. It don't work that way. There's some things that you and I have to do on our journey, and I have to focus. It means I have to make my spiritual growth, I have to make my spiritual healing a priority. I have to make the choice that I am not going to be a victim of my past. You don't know how bad it is, preacher. That's true, I don't. But we also don't know how bad Paul's was as well. We have no idea how many people he killed. We have no idea how many families he destroyed. We have no idea how many people ended up in jail for simply loving Jesus. But the principles are still the same. I can't change what I did, but I can fail forward. I can grow from it. But if I'm going to heal, if I'm going to be able to drop the blanket, if this pain is going to lose its control over my life, I have to focus. I have to have a healing priority for my life because it won't just accidentally happen over time. There's that old saying, oh, time heals all wounds. My friends, that's not true. Because if it was true, everybody would be healed. We all know people who were wounded years, if not decades ago, and their wounds have only gotten deeper because they refuse to deal with it. It means I've got to focus. I've got to make it a priority that I'm not going to let my yesterday define my tomorrow. Many people, those roots, those wounds have turned into a root of bitterness. Let me show you that. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. Look after each other. You see, sometimes... Sometimes we got some stuff bothering us that we can't even see it in the mirror. Sometimes we got some trust issues going on that we don't know ourselves. Sometimes we got some pain in our life that we don't even know. So, so the writer of Hebrews says, listen, look after each other. Like love somebody enough to pull them aside and go, hey man, I love you and this is gonna hurt a little bit, but you got mustard right there on your face. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. I want you to keep growing. I want you to keep getting better. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you. And he goes on and says, corrupting many. Here's the deal about my undealt with pain. It not only impacts my life and my joy and my future and my happiness, but it corrupts many. One translation says, causes troubles for many. The pain in my life that I, I don't make it a priority to see it healed. The pain in my life that just kind of goes unchecked and it grows into a root of bitterness. It impacts my family. I have seen things like this destroy marriages. Something happened in them. They did not deal with it. They just assumed it'll deal with itself. We'll wake up one day and we'll be better. And it impacts the family. It impacts your relationships around you. you. You turn into a grumpy old goat and bitterness about something you refuse to deal with. Next thing you know, you wake up, you don't trust anybody, you don't have any relationships in your life. Don't be elbowing right now. Not a good time to do that. This can also impact future generations. Far too common story. Well, daddy got mad at somebody up at church. and Daddy never went back. And now you have a generation or two that have no connectivity with the body of Christ, now you're talking about you have grandchildren that are lost and don't know the name of Jesus because daddy refused to deal with his pain. When we do not focus or deal with our pain and it grows into a root of bitterness, it turns into something that's poisonous. It not only impacts me, it only robs my life of joy and fulfillment and happiness, but corrupts many. It affects those people 
around us. It won't just go away. You won't just wake up and get over it. You have to focus. I focus on this one thing. I got to make it a priority. And if that's true, then what's my next step? It's not just that actually I, I, the Holy Spirit's going to ask me to do something. What today, what in this season of life right now can I do? Can I, can I talk to somebody that can help me? Should I write a letter seeking forgiveness? Should I make an appointment with a counselor? Should I get some wisdom to go talk to a friend? What can I do today to take my next step? Amen? All right, verse 13 says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. I am not perfect. But I focus on this one thing, and here's the next F, forgetting past. This is a lot easier said than done, forgetting. I'd love to forget. I would love, we wouldn't even need this if like we could go and it's forgotten. You know what I'm saying? Remember Men in Black, they had a little flashy thingy. Dude, flashy thingy. You know, okay, I don't remember any of it. I wish, I wish there's some things in my life, there's some things I said, people I hurt, decisions I made. I wish I could forget them, brother. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. And, and here it is all these years later, 32 years later, we're still, we're still putting blankets over our head. I want to forget, I just don't know how. You know, the enemy has a way of just constantly reminding us of our past, whether good or bad. And I've discovered this about my life, that the story only gets worse the further I get away from it. I, a couple of years ago, I went on this campaign of my personal life where with people I had known when I was in high school and college and, and I would take them to lunch and I would just like, man, I just need to apologize to you. I was so arrogant and so full of myself and, I, and they would look at me like, what? And I'm like, I just, you know, but the enemy just wants to take our mistakes and he wants to make them bigger and, and like he remembers the thing from 10 years ago and, and the further I get away from that, Man, you went from kicking the dog to murdering the neighbor. You know what I'm saying? The devil just makes them bigger in our mind than what we are. I would love to forget them, but the enemy's going to make sure that I always remember them, and the enemy's always going to make the story worse the further away I get from the event. So I hear, this can be a little bit confusing, but just track with me for a second. We use the word forget or forgetting. There's six different contexts that we can use that. I'm gonna walk through this, you don't need to write any of this down, but like we use this idea of forgetting six different ways. The first one that literally is probably the most common, like not remembering. Oh man, I was supposed to meet you Tuesday, I totally forgot, okay? I didn't remember, okay? A different context for forgetting is to leave something behind. Dead, dumb it, I forgot my keys at the office. Now, yes, I didn't remember to get them, but it's also this idea of I've left them behind. Then there's this idea of neglect, okay, where you fail to give attention. My father-in-law forgot all about me on my birthday. Fine, I'm fine, fine. Okay, there's this idea of neglect. Then there's this idea of just stop thinking about it. Stop worrying about it, you know? Forget about it, right? That Brooklyn guy, you know? Man, I would just forget about it, whatever, just go on. Then there's this idea of failing to mention somebody. Oh, I'd like to thank George and Willie, and oh, I forgot you, you know, like I failed to mention someone. And then the last term we use forgetting for is like we lose control. Dude, he triggered me. I lost my Jesus right there in my side. I forgot myself, okay? So that, it all kind of means the same thing, but there's different, six different contexts 
that we use in the English language about forgetting. Not remembering, leave behind, neglect, stop thinking about it, forget about it. Failing to mention someone, lose control. Okay? This forget in Philippians 3, Paul says, I focus on one thing, forgetting what's behind. It's not neglecting. He's not saying this one thing I do is I neglect to take care of that. That's not what he's saying. It's not failing to mention. It's not that. It's not that whole losing control. This one thing I do is I, I lost myself. I opened up, but never mind. Okay. It's somewhere between not remembering and stop worrying about it. That's, that's the forgetting that we use in the English language. And I don't know that it'll ever be gone from my memory. I was in sixth grade when I made fun of that kid for being a cheerleader. You know, I, I don't know that it'll ever be gone from my memory. But here's the deal. If I have focused, if I have made it a priority, if I have dealt with it, if I've done the things that Scripture's asked me to do, what Paul is saying is that I can get to the place that the things in my past that used to make me put the blanket on, now I can think about them. When they come to mind, I don't, I don't need this anymore. They are so healed that when they come up, they no longer invoke an emotional response. It no longer has any kind of impact or effect on me. I can think of that season. I can think of my ex. I can think of that pain. Yes, I wish it never happened. Wish I'd have made different decisions, but you know what? I'm okay. It's okay. And I can let it go. I want you to notice in Scripture... You can't come to the place where you forget, where it loses its power over you, without focus. What Paul said, verse 13, he says, I focus on this one thing, forgetting. You'll never get to the place where you forget about it. You'll never get to the place where it no longer has power over you unless you make it a priority to seek healing and do the right things in your life. Amen, everybody? All right. Last F, and it's the hardest. You guys want it? I'm going to just be done here. We can be done here, get out early, beat the Methodist Mazier. That's fine. No? You want it? You asked for it, right? This is where it's going to get quiet up in this little church. Forgiving. Lord has had me this week on, matter of fact, a couple of weeks ago, the Lord woke me up early in the morning. And just spoke to me about, I'm in a position where I, 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 need, I need to develop a forgiving spirit in my life. And the Lord's been talking to me all week long just about growing and disciplining yourself and, and growing a forgiving spirit, a spirit of forgiveness on us. Forgiving others is hard, amen? It's hard. Forgiving myself, sometimes that's the hardest. Sometimes that's the hardest. There's some of us, the thing that is keeping us from letting go is finding the permission to forgive yourself. I'm going to say that again because it's really, really, really important. For some of us, the thing that is holding you back, the thing that is keeping you from letting go is you need to find the permission to forgive yourself. You might have even forgiven the other parties in the situation, but you cannot forgive yourself for that choice you made two decades ago. 
And you got to come up with the permission to forgive yourself, Stephen Miller. Not forgiving ourselves. That's what's keeping us cringeworthy, wrapped up under the blanket. And let me be clear. And I know I just got done talking about forgetting. I hope I, I'll, I hope I didn't throw too much at you with forgetting, because forgetting is coming to the place where it may never be erased from my memory, but when it comes up, it doesn't invoke an emotional response from me. Okay? But there's a difference between forgiving and forgetting. They're two completely different things. In many situations, you would be foolish to forget what transpired. Okay, let me give you an example. A friend, you gave them some very intimate, confidential information about yourself and they decided to post it on Facebook. Okay, that's, you could forgive that, but I don't know that you're so free with the information next time. A business partner, you went in business with and, and they took advantage of you. I can forgive you, we, we can still have a relationship, but I'm probably not gonna do business with you again. Someone abused you. You can forgive that, but I'm, I'm probably not gonna trust you with my kids. That makes sense that you'd be very foolish at times to completely forget. I can forgive, but it doesn't mean I have to put myself or my family or my children back in a position to allow myself to be hurt again. Now, not every offense has evil intent. Sometimes it's just lack of communication, sometimes lack of understanding, sometimes people just get hurt, and that never meant to be the case. And in those situations, we need to practice Forgiveness. Sometimes we need to forgive our spouse for buying the fourth pro wrestling championship belt to add to your collection. Amen, Pastor Matt. Did I say that right? Because he wrote that in there for me again. Sometimes we need to forgive our spouse for something that happened years and years ago. We need to practice forgiveness. You need to grow that muscle. You need to exercise forgiveness, like it's a spiritual discipline. Because when you practice forgiveness, then you will develop a spirit of forgiveness. Here's the deal, you can't have both. You can't hang on to pain and root of bitterness and let go of the pain. You've got to practice. You've got to develop the spirit of forgiveness. And here's the deal. If I'm ever going to get to a place where I forgive myself and I can drop the blanket, the only way I can practice forgiveness is by forgiving other people. And as I forgive other people, I'm going to develop that spirit of forgiveness and then, then someday there's going to be enough muscle there and I can forgive myself. My friends, the spirit of forgiveness is what Jesus practices towards you and I every single morning because the Bible says that his mercies are new every morning, amen. I just can't forgive them, you just don't understand. I just can't forgive them for what they've done. Listen, if you say that, then all you're doing is locking yourself in a prison of pain. All you're doing is delaying or denying your healing. You're putting water on that root of bitterness, and that doesn't end well for you. It doesn't end well for your family. It doesn't end well for your children or even your grandchildren. One thing I do, I focus, I make it a priority. Now is the time. I know it was years ago, decades ago, but now is the time 
Paul said, I'm not perfect. You gotta learn how to fail forward. You gotta learn how to fail forward. You gotta learn from our mistakes, learn from the past. I am who I am because of what I've been through. I don't wanna go back, I don't wanna repeat that. I know I can't change that, but I am going to fail forward. Failure's not to grow, no, growth is to grow. But I'm gonna fail forward, I'm gonna focus. You will not accidentally wake up healed one day, you just won't. You won't accidentally, time enough times gone by, it, it just don't work that way. I can't let go unless I make it a priority. I need to be intentional about taking my next step of healing today, forgetting. I wanna be so healed that even when the thought does come to mind, it no longer hurts. It no longer holds me captive. It's no longer cringeworthy. It no longer has effect on me. And forgive. I'm gonna practice forgiveness so I can grow and develop my spirit of forgiveness so that someday I can have enough forgiveness muscle that I'll be able to forgive myself. So I won't need that. Blanket of shame, blanket of cringeworthy guilt, embarrassment, pain anymore. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, this is hard. We, we want to let go. We want the pain to stop. We just sometimes don't want to take the steps to get there. Lord, over the last few minutes, it just feels like there's been this wall that's slowly crept up in our hearts in this room. Hey, I'm all about forgetting. I'd love to. But I don't know about the whole forgiveness thing. I, I can never do that. And I, I just, Lord, I pray right now that hearts be unlocked. Holy Spirit, we're saying this is a house of miracles. What if today the miracle, what if today the miracle was a heart could be released? They could take that first step of faith to develop that spirit of forgiveness. What if? What if that miracle was what led to their new life of joy, a new life of fulfillment, that it took place in this moment because I said yes and amen to the promises of God, that I would receive the word of God in my heart, that I'm going to take the step that the Holy Spirit's asking and inviting me to do. What if in this place today, the pains and the wounds of yesterday were broken and bondage was released and I can now be free in my marriage, now be free in my finances, now to be free to love again or trust again, and even live in relationship again. Holy Spirit, would you just build our faith in this moment? This is hard. And I believe you're filling and empowering us to live it out. All across this room with every head bowed, every eye closed. You're here and you know that you are not in right relationship with God. And the Bible says if we, are, if we will confess our sin to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us. And this morning you need to just do just that. Maybe once upon a time... You invited Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, but you've walked away, or maybe you never have. Maybe you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior of your life, but in this moment right here, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer where we simply do just that, where we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, God is gonna save you. And if that's you, I want you just to pray this simple prayer with me. Are you ready? Right there at your seat, just whisper this. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today because I need you in my life. 
I've made a lot of mistakes. I don't want that life anymore. Would you forgive me? Would you come into my heart? Begin to change me? Make me a new person? I don't really understand all of this. But I can sense you calling me. And I take a step of faith to make you my savior. And I completely surrender my whole life to you. Every head still bowed, every eye still closed. I'm not gonna embarrass you. You don't have to walk the aisle. You don't have to talk to anybody. I just wanna pray one more prayer over you and for you. If you prayed that prayer with me, would you just boldly kind of slip up your hand? Nobody's looking, it's just us. Slip up your hand. All right, young man, I see that. All right, back, I see that hand. All right, I see this. God, you see these hearts and hands. Lord, receiving your grace and your mercy that we're so grateful for. Lord, help them to understand. Young hearts and minds growing in faith, Lord, help them to understand how big, how much you love them, how wide, how great your mercy is. God, I pray you fill them with your spirit. I pray you bring other mature Christians around them to just help them grow in their faith. Lord, if I stop growing, I stop healing. And I just pray today, God, for those that took that first step of faith, Lord, the best day of their eternity. God, we love you. I love being a part of a church. We do everything we can short of sin to see people give their life to Christ. In the beautiful, matchless name of Jesus, come on, Hillspring Church, give God the biggest praise you got this morning. Amen. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's a couple of things I want to invite you to do. First, hit the subscribe button. That way, you won't miss a single episode. Secondly, if this message has impacted you and you would like to help us reach others, visit our website at hillspring.tv and hit the Give Now button so that we can take this message around the globe. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.